right, welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. Instead of starting off this episode with the latest in the whole coronavirus news that has populated absolutely every aspect of our lives, it's what's uh, going on in all the entertainment news, all the, well, there's no sports news because there just isn't any sports at this time. It's dominated all political news. It's dominated all world news. I mean, there is just no way to find anything current at this time that has nothing to do with coronavirus. And trust me, I've checked. The only way I'm going to be able to come out with things that are un-coronavirus related is to go back to some of the news stories and coverages uh, that I didn't have time to get to before the coronavirus outbreak or you know, to go uh, through a bunch of left-wing and right-wing sites that aren't about the news but are about discussions of social issues and go back before the coronavirus outbreak. So if we want to keep things uh, more current here, unfortunately, there's always going to be some connection to the coronavirus. And I know, I know I'm just as tired of this as you. I'm tired of dealing with all the people out there trying to spin it, trying to go through and claim, oh, this is an overreaction. Oh, we're still underreacting. Oh, the economy. Oh, the lives. And, you know, everyone's just trying to go spin it. I mean, at this point in time, let's face it, you've already made your decision about this. Now, I know where I fall on uh, under this, which I've been uh, quite clear is, you know, it's not that it's not dangerous. It's a matter of how dangerous it is. But how dangerous it is, is a question we do not know the answer to. And so I am perfectly happy, you know, right now to give the president the 15 days that he had asked for and to see what we find out during that time so that we can assess the risks. Okay. But in doing that, you know, we see that, you know, how things are shaping up for the 2020 election, because get this, in case you forgot, we're still in an election year. And someone had uh, pointed out, you know, before all of this happened, used to have this phrase, it's not that the Democrats aren't smart. They're ingenious with what they do. It's just that their ideas are horrible and bad for the country. And then I take a look at what's happened you know, this year uh, throughout the entire coronavirus outbreak and all that. And I'm like, you know, uh, fact check, false. The Democrats are stupid and their ideas are bad, right? So I almost want to send this guy an email. You know, he's another podcaster and uh, YouTuber, and he's also, you know, reached the point where he gets in the cable news uh, quite often. And I just want to send him an email, fact check. Uh, your statement is false, right? Because let's take a look at how this is going to play out, you know, after everything goes aside and when we get to the 2020 election, right? Because the ads for this, for Trump, as we get closer and closer to November, pretty much write themselves, right? You know, think about this, running an ad, while Trump was taking action to protect you, Democrats were playing politics, you know, and start showing videos of him calling out the dangers of coronavirus, uh, shutting down travel, and then the Democrats coming out and just playing politics. Oh, that's an overreaction. Oh, that's xenophobic. Oh, that's, and then uh, play after the outbreak. Oh, Trump's not doing enough. Oh, this is horrible. This is going to kill, you know, so many people, right? And going, well, Trump takes actions, Democrats play politics, right? Now, let's also take a look at other potential things, right? Because uh, the left wing and the media try to say, oh, Trump's only, you know, in it for the money. He only cares about the economy. He only cares about, well, you know, caring about the economy and the unemployment rate is kind of important to everybody. But, you know, he only cares about money. He only cares about corporate profits. He only cares about the rich, right? And then he comes up with an ad. The economy was booming, unemployment at record low, and the nation faced a crisis. Trump 
assesses the situation and despite what it would do to the economy, chose the safety of your family over profits, right? I mean, the the ad right there kind of writes itself, doesn't it? I mean, when you go through and you take a look at that, Trump chose the safety of your family over the, you know, uh, economy, you know, instead of, you know, keeping you and your loved ones at risk, he chose to use an abundance of profits and said, to hell with the political consequences, this is about life. You know, do you think it's a popular decision to go through and basically close down most of the businesses in the country? Do you think it's a popular decision to go through and bring the country's economy to a grinding halt or next to a grinding halt? You know, do you think it's a popular decision that you know, we're taking a look at these actions uh, going to increase the unemployment rate. In a lot of ways, it would have been easier uh, if President Trump had gone out there, downplayed the risk of the coronavirus, you know, uh, try and take the Obama approach, downplay the risk of the coronavirus, say, oh, this is being overblown. You know, my experts tell me, you know, yada, yada, yada. Therefore, you know, we're just going to keep this economy rolling. And then, you know, the people get off and die and it's like, well, yeah, you know, compared to, you know, what is normal, this is, you know, uh, for the year, uh, this isn't, you know, much of a difference. You know, he, he could have gone through many ways to play this down in order to try and justify, you know, the economy, profits and all of that. But no, despite all of that, you know, Despite uh, the ability there, he made the hard decision. You know, the decision that, you know, is going to, yes, it's going to cause uh, problems later on. But, you know, is it, you know, but are the problems, you know, that we're going to face worth the lives that we saved, right? Because of this. I mean, he's going to be able to go out there that when choose, when, that when the choice comes between money and lives, he chose lives. That, in shutting down the economy, he took a personal financial hit himself. I mean, that's another thing that they can go off uh, with the ads. You know, uh, we're the, going off and talking about the media, constantly talking, oh, he's only trying to enrich himself. Oh, it's only about lining his own pockets, you know, yada, yada, yada. When push came to shove, he shut down the economy, took a financial hit, to his own businesses, you know, the, you know, hotel and hospitality industry, his own businesses and prior and priors are prioritized your life. No, I don't do any editing. So you get the mistakes and prioritize the health and safety of your family versus his own financial interests. Think about how that's going to play out. Meanwhile, the Democrats, you know, have continued to just play politics with it all. Of course, the most effective ads that the president will be able to come out with is showing the media flip-flopping all over the place, right? Like, for instance, Trump comes out and, you know, promotes uh, these combination of, you know, drugs uh, because initial reports have shown that they were to be effective. The media attacked him for it. The media attacked him for it so much. That when some idiot, you know, uh, took a poisonous substance because it had a similar sounding name and tried to blame Trump for it, the media fell all over themselves to try and claim Trump was responsible for these couple uh, or for her husband dying as a result of them taking this. I mean, for instance, you know, um, I can't pronounce the name of the drugs, but there was fishbowl cleaner that had an ingredient uh, with a similar sounding name. It wasn't even the exact same substance. In the container said, not safe for human consumption. They took it anyways because the uh, one of the ingredients had a similar sounding name and therefore they thought it would protect them from the coronavirus. And then they died and came out and tried to blame Trump for that. You know, but... And going through and taking a look at the media, how much they flip-flop, you know, because now, after attacking Trump for promoting these combination of drugs, what happens? 
Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, says, hey, yeah, you know, Trump has okayed this, you know, and I'm okaying it too. Therefore, because the initial reports were, you know, great, you know, I'm going to go ahead and implement this, you know, to save the people of New York. And now the media is praising New York as being some great forward-thinking leader protecting the lives for coming out, you know, about a week later making the same recommendations that Trump made, you know, but yet they don't want to give credit to Trump. I mean, we, we can go off and take a look at that, right? And then finally, well, not finally, but then we also take a look at what's going on with the stimulus, right? Now, yes, there's a lot of things to not like about the stimulus. I get it. You know, personally, there's a lot of things I don't like about the stimulus plan that even the Republican stimulus plan. I just don't know what the better alternative is at this point. I know what the alternative uh, would be, you know, to prevent this from happening in the future, such as writing legislation requiring businesses and corporations to have, you know, a two to three month uh, emergency fund in which they have, you know, two to three months of their expenses, including payroll, saved up into an account. That way we wouldn't even be worried about having to do a stimulus in order to keep uh, jobs in place and giving money to people in order to go out and start spending and purchasing, right? Having an emergency fund would eliminate the need for any kind of stimulus package, right? Because think about this. We're talking about shutting down the economy for two weeks. If they had the you know, three months of emergency fund saved up or even two months emergency fund saved up. And we shut down the economy for two weeks. They had enough money to do payroll, cover all their expenses where it's only two weeks. There wouldn't be a mass firing or unemployment. Paychecks wouldn't be cut off to people, you know, because they wouldn't be losing their jobs. And then after the 15 day period, People would be released to go back out uh, into the public, resume their uh, normal daily lives, and the economy would just boom uh, immediately afterwards. You, it wouldn't even be a blimp on the radar. But we are where we are, right? So I don't know where the uh, best plan would be for where we are right now. I just know what the plan is so that we don't have to you know, deal with this again. But think about this. Trump can go out there and go, not only was he protecting the lot, your life and the lives of your family, your loved ones, you know, your children, your parents and all that, but then can go out there and talk about while he was trying to bail you out, the Democrats were trying to bail out illegal immigrants, right? The Democrats were putting foreign, you know, the interest of foreign uh, governments and foreign citizens over you, right? Or that the, you know, while Trump was trying to, you know, uh, provide for your family, the Democrats were trying to seize control over businesses or trying to implement radical agendas over, you know, you. And then, you know, he can go off and play clips from even CNN and conspiracy theory TV, MSNBC, ripping the Democrats up for playing politics with this bailout, right? He can go off and say not even MSNBC agreed with what the Democrats were doing. Even the MSNBC was talking about how the Democrats were playing politics with your lives while Trump was trying to provide for you and your family, both in safety and financial security. I mean, this is just, been unbelievable on how stupid the Democrats have been. And it's probably because they all suffer from level six Trump derangement syndrome, right? That no matter what the president does, they have to be for the exact opposite. And their ideology of never letting a crisis go to waste, where they're in a time of crisis that instead of focusing on the solution to the crisis, they focus on how to you know, create a fundamental change for increased power and control over every aspect of your life and call it a solution. Because while Nancy Pelosi was out there going, no, no, all of this is related to coronavirus and coronavirus relief. And we think this is more 
for the average everyday person, people were looking at that going carbon offsets for airline companies by the year 2025, you know, net zero, um, you know, having employees, you know, uh, vote to elect one third of the board member from their fellow employees, you know, um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for performing art theaters. You know, what is all of this junk, right? And that's what they were playing politics with, you know, because they're trying to go off and use this crisis in order to sneak in a Christmas list rather than actually providing help for you and your family. You know, the ads, the ads write themselves, the, you know, and Trump being able to go through here and proactively warning about the dangers the country faced while the Democrats were ensuring the dangers would arrive. President Trump going off and fighting for the health and safety of you and your family, you know, and your economic safety while Democrats were playing political games. You know, and then after you run those ads, you know, all you have to do is ask a simple question. If another crisis hits, who do you feel safest under, right? And people will be able to take a look at this and go, yeah, I'm going for Trump. And so it almost seems like this is going for an economic uh, or electoral landslide. You know, something similar to Reagan. Now, maybe we're too polarized in our politics for it to be, you know, a complete Reagan sweep of 49 states out of the 50 states. Okay. But it can get pretty damn close, especially as more and more uh, of the unions that have been you know, for so long, completely uh, voting for the Democrats are seeing how the Democrats are trying to legislate them out of a job. And they're going, well, heck, you know, if I vote for a Democrat, I I lose my job. You know, what would I do? What other industry could I go in and work for? And what is the Democrat solution to that is, oh, learn to code. Oh, yeah, like that is so easy for everybody. And even if you do learn to code, like that's actually going to lead uh, to a job because let's face it, what are companies or employers more likely to do? Hire somebody freshly out of college who grew up with the most current technology in their hands, right? And graduated uh, from college, even with no experience and some type of uh, computer science degree, you know, for programming, coding and all of that. or would they go through and look at someone who's, whose resume looks like 20 years in the, you know, coal or oil industry, maybe went back uh, to college or got an online certification, has no experience and, you know, may not be, may not have grown up, uh, using all the technologies that we have today. Right. So it, it's not so easy to go back and say, Hey, go back and code. We don't need these jobs. And we are finding out that, yes, we need these jobs because while they want to go off and promote, you know, things like solar panels and wind and all of that, those technologies are not developed enough to replace, you know, the coal and oil industry, right? Now, uh, here's where we get into the parts about the coronavirus, right? Because everyone's freaking out, you know, the economy and all of that. So let's uh, go through and take a look at, you know, some of this information here. I know, I know, I'm quickly changing subjects here, but, you know, I'm trying to keep everything within a specific time frame. So uh, the good news is uh, the shutdown doesn't appear that it's going to last very long, right? That by the end of these 15 days, now Trump is saying, oh, we're going to open it up by Easter you know, or a complete opening uh, by Easter, but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily going to take that long. Why? Because we have found innovations uh, in medicine that is quite effective uh, in going through and treating COVID-19, coronavirus, the Chinese virus, right? We have been able to take this time to find effective medication and, you know, uh, to go through and combat this to save a lot of lives. So. The loss of life is going to be low. We only took uh, around a two-week pause. 
you know, and it's been very beneficial. We got vaccines already in human uh, testing, which is the fastest it's ever been. You know, we are now at the point where we have doubled almost every night are doubled almost overnight in some areas, our medical capacity. You know, and this is where I do have to give credit to the governor of New York, which, by the way, it was funny watching the governor of New York go on CNN uh, to the show that his own brother hosts. You know, yes, Governor Cuomo's uh, brother uh, has his own show on CNN, right? So he goes on there, and he's talking with his brother on there, and he goes, you know, what was some of the biggest mistakes you made because the interview wasn't going very good? And Governor Cuomo tells his brother, uh, a, you know, a CNN at CNN, oh, one of the biggest mistakes was coming on your show, right? You know, kind of that brotherly banter, but that was kind of funny. But Governor Cuomo, I will give, you know, some props to, uh, because one of the ways that they've been able to keep the death rates low is that they've taken a look at the ventilators. And, you know, normally it's one ventilator, one person. But, in going through and taking a look at everything, they've been able to jimmy rig, you know, somewhat of a splitter on the pump for the ventilators. And now one ventilator can support two people. Think about that. We nearly doubled our capacity for ventilators overnight just by, you know, eliminating some regulation and red tape to allow one ventilator to support two people. You know, and if it turns out that further research shows that one ventilator can be used for three people, we'll have tripled our medical capacity. Now think about that in terms of how many lives will be saved. And would we have ever come up with that ventilator solution if we didn't take the 15 days to have the vast majority of people and government resources and all of that focused on increasing our medical capacity, and finding uh, cures and medication to save lives. We have accomplished more in, in less than 15 days at this particular point, you know, and finding, you know, cures and saving lives and ways to save lives from this, you know, more in 15 days than we have in any past epidemic throughout human history. Think about that. Think about how amazing that is. And do you think this, the speed at which everything is happening would have happened under any other, you know, career politician? No, it took a businessman, someone who understands that in the private sector, it's all about results and being able to adapt to uh, changes. And being able to do that in a quick, efficient, and effective manner. You know, and think about all the red tape, all the regulations that have been tossed out in order to make this happen, right? And what that means going forward and the advancement of medicine and being able to advance medicine at a cheaper cost than what, what it's been. You know, the Democrats want to go off and rail about how expensive our healthcare system is. Oh, how expensive medication is. You got AOC going out there going, well, if price gouging COVID-19 medication is illegal, shouldn't it be illegal for insulin? And people are going out and it's like, well, you know, part of insulin's cost is all of the government regulations and red tape that have drove up uh, the cost of production, the cost of producing insulin, you know, and all of that, right? So they don't want to acknowledge that government is the reason why healthcare costs have been going up, you know, but think about how much, you know, prices can come down with all the regulations and red tape that, you know, we've looked at and tossed out the door going, why the hell was this crap here to begin with? Were you trying to prevent, you know, anybody from being able to respond to any type of pandemic situation? You know, and so we take a look at, you know, uh, what we've accomplished during this time. And it's been amazing. Now uh, we have uh, some information. Uh, New York doctors, you know, have come out and said, Trump was right and touts the fantastic results of this 
hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, uh, whatever, you know, and tried it on 350 coronavirus patients. Because when it first came out, it was only tested on 26 patients and had a 100% recovery rate. Well, now they tested it on 350 patients, you know, uh, one doctor uh, in New York, and all 350 recovered. No loss of life. Think about that for a moment. That's what we were able to accomplish in this 15-day period. And when we take a look at the totality of the coronavirus, we've done the math. And, you know, based off of the last calculation, if you consider a 40 to 80% infection rate of the population, you know, and that between the death rates, that's two and a half to 10 and a half million people. Well, now we may be able to get to a situation where there's nearly no loss of life, you know, that we're able to keep it down. Maybe the loss of life will be less than the seasonal flu because of the 15 days that we took to find a solution, to find a cure, to find a way to protect people and save their lives. And by the way, think about what this uh, also translates to in the annual flu, all these regulations and stuff that have been tossed out the door. Maybe uh, this will also lead to a situation in which we reduce uh, the death rate uh, from the annual flu as well. And so this not just saves lives from people suffering with COVID-19. This can help save lives of people who are suffering from all types of viruses and illnesses because they now have more freedom to go through and get the cures that we need with all without all the bureaucratic red tape, right? Now, studies uh, from John Hopkins University has found that the U.S. was more prepared for a pandemic than any other country. And that's even with the fact that, you know, uh, those masks that we are in short supply of, the N95 mask, you know, we hear about that all the time. Oh, we're in short supply. We're out of supplies. We're running out. Well, we have found out that a large reason why we're short on some of the emergency medical supplies is because under the Obama administration during the N, you know, N1H1, you know, outbreak, you know, uh, was that the swine flu or the bird flu? Well, whatever it was that when, uh, or no wait, Ebola. Yes, it was Ebola, you know, during the Ebola outbreak under the Obama administration. You know, the uh, nation's uh, federal stockpile of N95 masks were depleted, and Obama never restocked them. Now, you may be going, well, Trump should have anticipated something. No, you know, we talk about, you know, emergency preparedness, and we talk about, you know, problems that, you know, were actually caused by the prior administration. You know, and going, well, you're just trying to blame the prior administration for the shortcomings of the current administration. Well, guess what? With all the things that go on in government on a day-to-day basis and all the decisions that a president makes on a day-to-day basis, it is unreasonable to believe that a candidate after winning office is going to be able to go through and have every decision of the prior administration analyzed and, you know, and reversed or, you know, fixed, right? You can't go through and say, well, in the first, you know, three years, uh, Trump was able to analyze everything Obama did and over the previous eight years, right? Even if Trump were to spend his entire presidency just reviewing all the decisions that were made under President Obama every day. That's that that would be all he would do, you know. So, anyways, Obama's response, you know, to Ebola depleted our stockpile of N95 masks, and he never restocked them. And also, think about this: as a politician, when you come into office, do you immediately think to check what's the nation's supply of N95 masks for medical? you know, emergencies. I mean, that those are probably things that people never think of when they go through. And so, you know, that's one of the issues there. But even with that, 
You know, the United States was more prepared for a pandemic than any other country. You know, and that was part of the, you know, initial travel bans, you know, right away. That was, you know, the ability uh, to uh, cut down on regulations, you know, that Trump had been doing even before, you know, we got, you know, to this emergency, to this pandemic. Now, it's interesting as we go through and we take a look at the study. Uh, the United States was ranked the best prepared country in the world to handle a pandemic in late 2019 by the Nuclear uh, Threat Initiative and the John Hopkins uh, Center for Health Security, an assessment seemingly at odds with the claims by the Democrats that the Trump administration had left uh, the country uh, vulnerable to the ongoing coronavirus outbreak. However, uh, the Global Health Security Index uh, you know, was uh, developed uh, with guidance from an international panel of experts from 13 countries which, which research uh, by the Economist uh, Intelligence Unit from 2018 to 2019. Uh, the Washington Post uh, reported last year more than 100 researchers spent a year collecting and validating publicly available data. You know, and so when we go through and we take a look at this, you know, the United States, with our health care system as it is, was more prepared and better situated to handle the coronavirus outbreak than any other country in the world, than any of those single-payer health care countries. You know, and, you know, we've been able to keep our death rates, despite our high level of infection, lower than countries that have, you know, maybe, you know, lower levels of outbreak, but higher death rates. Or, you know, have comparable, you know, in terms of population percentages of infection rates and death rates. So the United States, you know, was just better prepared. Now, as we go through and we take a look at what's going on uh, with the uh, relief package or the stimulus package, uh, Senator uh, McSally introduces legislation to block Senate pay until the corona, uh, coronavirus relief package is passed. Now, of course, we know that, you know, wait until a situation such as this to say, hey, if you can't get your act together, you don't get any pay, is not going to pass. You know, and they're going to say, oh, we don't have time for political stunts and yada, yada, yada. What should happen is that once we pull through this crisis and we're back, you know, to some sense of normalcy, they should introduce, you know, these bills that says, you know, in the middle of, you know, a crisis, if the Senate doesn't act, it doesn't get paid. Uh, and do that for the House of Representatives too, by the way. Or during the midst of a government shutdown, the members of the House and Senate do not get paid. You know, put that in there, right? Do that before the crisis hits and then watch them try and argue against it. Right now, the Democrats, they have been trying to hold America hostage and the American economy hostage as they tried to pass their wish list. Right. As they try to go through and pass all these, you know, things that, you know, they that if you look at they you would think that they thought they just, you know, won an election with super majorities in the House and Senate. And it's interesting because one of the reasons why they're doing this is because you know, as uh, some senators, because they don't have remote voting yet, but as some Republican senators have had to go into quarantine because of the coronavirus, you know, the Democrats, after they had negotiated the bill, took a reassessment and went, wait a minute, the Republicans, they can't pass this on their own anymore. You know, enough of them are out in quarantine that they can't pass this without Democrats. Therefore, they are desperate. And therefore, that means we have leverage and we can hold the American economy and people hostage and we can try and get the media to blame uh, the Republicans for the financial hardships that they may be facing. And so if they want to get some relief to the economy and to the people, they need to bow down to our demands. And the demands are about having a radical fundamental change in the economy are having a radical fundamental change 
in the growth of government to have control and authority over businesses. I mean, it's interesting because every so often, you know, we hear about these gaffes that are being made. And the definition of a gaffe that I love is saying when someone in D.C. accidentally tells you the truth, right? And so MSNBC was out there, you know, reporting and their, you know, uh, correspondents, you know, were reporting that, hey, you know, the Democrats took a look around and realized that the Republicans can't pass this without Democrats' votes because of the members who are out in quarantine. Therefore, they realized that they had the ability or the opportunity to take advantage of the situation. And then there are uh, other uh, videos uh, that have come out, you know, showing that, you know, Democrats are out there in some of their town halls, you know, uh, going off and saying, you know, now we got legislation that we want to do. We do. But we're not doing them at this time. Why? Because we don't want to hand President Trump a win, right? Where they admit that they are blocking legislation that is good for the American people, that they are blocking legislation that is great, you know, for this country, but they're not doing it because they actually disagree with the legislation. They're blocking it because they just don't want President Trump to have a legislative victory. To hell with you and me. To hell with the best interest of the country. They don't want to give President Trump, you know, what could be seen as a legislative victory because then it makes it harder for them to defeat him in the next election. And so they are blocking legislation for that process. I mean, think about that. We elect these people to go out. Now, I didn't elect a Democrat, but, you know, even in, in uh, the reverse situation, I'm sure there are situations in which the Republicans blocked uh, legislation that was probably good and decent because they didn't want to hand Obama a win. Now, think about how petty that is. That's, that's what we are electing in this country. The idea that, you know, we send someone out to represent us to fight for our best interest, and instead of fighting for our best interest, they're calculating their votes and their actions based off of whether or not it will be perceived as an as a victory for their political opponent you know rather than whether it's a victory for we the people i mean it is incredibly sickening you know to hear them talking about that to hear them you know and see them going through and playing this way and you know what you don't have to take my word for it. Let's hear it in their own words. The House could not vote on this bill tomorrow or probably the next day or the next day, even if they wanted to. And I think what you're seeing here is Democrats believe they have leverage here. Republicans don't even have 50 votes in the Senate where they are in the majority right now because some of their members are quarantined. They are trying to find their way through a solution. And Democrats believe they have some political leverage here to control the response here in the way they would like to see it performed and to get some of their priorities across the finish line. It's shockingly a different mindset. So when I go, you know, I've gone up to people and said, um, I need to get this piece of legislation passed. And they say, oh, yeah, we're, we just passed it. I said, yeah, we just passed it. I need the Senate to pass it, and I need the president to sign it. And they said, well, we don't want to give the president a win. I mean, folks, you understand what this means here, how unbelievable that is. Here it is. We had a virus outbreak come across and sweep across the country. We've seen, you know, that it has a fairly high death rate if you don't have access to the proper medical treatment. We see that President Trump is fighting for your public safety, for the lives of you and your loved ones. We see the president fighting to prevent the complete collapse of the economy. And what are the Democrats, you know, concerned about? Why are the Democrats torpedoing these efforts and trying to fill in, um, you know, the relief package was a bunch of pork, unrelated BS with absolutely no concern over any of the issues that actually affect you and your family that have absolutely nothing to do with coronavirus because they're concerned about the perception of political victories because they're too concerned about, 
you know, Trump being seen as getting a political win. They're, and they have no concern over whether or not the, it's a win for you, the people. Right? It, it is incredibly sickening. And what are some of the other things that they have in the, in the Democrats' version of the bill? $300 million to refugee migrants. Right? To, and of course, they say refugee migrants. But what they mean is people who illegally uh, entered the country and only uh, claimed to be refugees when they got caught, right, who tried to sneak across the border and make a mad uh, dash to the sanctuary cities, but because they weren't fast enough, they got caught, and so then they claim refugee status, which is why you see Democrats out there saying, hey, we need to give $300 million to help these people. Why? Shouldn't you be focused on American citizens? Right? Or, hey, we need to release all these illegal immigrants from ICE detention centers, right? And release them back into the population. Why? Why? You know, you're just trying to take advantage of the entire situation. Now, ironically, though, what has been uh, pretty funny to watch is that during all these lockdowns and everything, instead of Okay, I just heard a big thud. The kids are up there. I don't hear any crying, so things uh, must be okay. But anyways, instead of going off and releasing illegal immigrants from ICE custody, the Trump administration and ICE agents are taking a look at uh, at all this lockdown, all this stay-at-home orders, all of this, and going, you know what? Now would be a good time to do some raids and round up some illegal immigrants. I mean, that is great. So instead of going off and releasing them all as what the Democrats, you know, want us to do, we are instead going off and saying, hey, we're just going to go ahead and, you know, uh, round everybody up. And that way we are ready to go and get more people deported, right? Uh, Who should have been deported long ago because they are in the country illegally. All right. Another thing is um, that has Democrats uh, kind of upset here is that because of all of the outbreak of the coronavirus, you know, with, you know, the U.S. closing its borders, Mexico closing its borders and all of that, um, all those court hearings, uh, you know, for all the people who are subject to the remain in Mexico policy, well, all those court hearings are now being delayed, you know. The good news is there isn't really any uh, travel across any borders anywhere, you know, uh, south of us. And also, there's not a whole lot of traffic coming up this way. And all the people that were told to remain in Mexico, who we have no idea, you know, what their health conditions were uh, trying to enter the country or where exactly from the what part of the world they were in you know, um, before they started making their way up south because we got people from all over the world, you know, flying into more laxed countries, you know, uh, south of the border and then making the trek, you know, uh, up our southern borders uh, and then to claim refugee status, you know, if they get caught. All right, so that's all, you know, things that are going on that are pretty good. Now, now, as far as what to do uh, with this whole stimulus package, because the left is trying to go off and say, well, now everyone's a socialist. Oh, now no one's asking, how do you pay for it? You know, and all that was a fraud. And, you know, the ways that they are trying to spin it is completely dishonest. A lot of people are asking, how the hell do you pay for this? A lot of people are saying, hey, this is going to cause a lot of damages. And so if we're going to do this, we need to get our act together and start implementing, you know, much more responsible and fiscally sound uh, policies, right? And, I mean, we're kind of dangling here, you know, that we can only hope and pray that we can come back later and fix it, you know, to try and undo the damage, right? You know, so it's not that we agree, you know, with what's going on. It's just we don't know, uh, you know, what the alternative is. You know, or is the alternative even worse than this? And we still can try and hang on to the hope that we can come back and clean this up. Well, the Democrats, oh, they got their genius idea, showing that they have no idea how money works, no idea how 
you know, uh, you build up value in an economy. You know, a member of the squad, Rashida Talib, you know, who's probably at this point competing with AOC for the title of dumbest member of the squad, <laughs> which, you know, the, the competition there is pretty tight, you know, as far as who's the dumbest. Well, she comes out and she thinks she has a way to solve the problem. And that is, we'll just issue uh, debit cards to everybody. And then we'll go through and we'll mint two commemorative coins, right? And we'll claim that the value of those coins are a trillion dollars, right? Right? We're going to mint two coins and, and claim that it's a trillion dollars in value. Then we'll have the Fed print out two trillion dollars to buy those coins. That way, the two trillion dollars that we have uh, printed out don't lose value because we created two trillion dollars in value and asset that we can hold on to. Therefore, you know, there will be no inflation. Do you understand how stupid this is? Do you think that if we were able to just go out there, mint a couple of coins, claim it has this extraordinary value, and therefore when we print off money to buy the coins from ourselves, we can claim that we have enough value in assets and the economy as to maintain the value of the dollar. If that was possible, we would have been doing that long time ago. And money would be raining from the sky without any consequences. This is a dumb idea. They have no idea how that, you know, how money works. Never mind that all the other countries would look at that and go, hmm, we'll just do the same so that we can increase the value of our currency and give all the money that, you know, that people could ever want. Idiots. That, that, that's not how any of this works, right? Now, when we go through, though, there's a reason why big government politicians don't care about inflation. They don't care about constantly printing out more and more money to finance everything. Sure, it hurts you and I, because as they do it, it devalues our money and therefore devalues the purchasing power that we have with that money. But they don't care. They just don't. Because they see inflation as a good thing. You know, never mind, you know, part of it is they can just give themselves a raise anytime they want. But here's part of uh, what they go uh, go about in their theory of inflation is that inflation is good because it destroys the debt, right? Because think about it. Their idea is, okay, we'll borrow $8,000 today in today's value, right? And then we'll print out some more money, you know, using that debt to finance, you know, some of the printing of the money and slow down inflation. And then when we go to pay that $8,000 back, the money we pay it back with has less value than the money that we borrowed, right? On a dollar to dollar basis. Therefore, you know, we don't have to worry about the debt because we can inflate away the value of the debt, right? Now, never mind that even that, you know, is eventually going to run out of their ability to do so. They're just hoping that by the time we actually face the consequences of that stupid theory, they'll already be retired out of office or passed away. And it's something that their kids and grandkids will have to deal with and that they will never have to suffer the consequences of that themselves. Okay. So that's, that's why they like to go through and try and drive down the, you know, value of the debt, why they love inflation so much. But them doing so is the reason why, you know, houses went from being $30,000, you know, to buy a house to now being one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000, right? It's because they've been inflating away the value of the debt, right? It's why $7.25 an hour went from being a great wage in which you could provide a good life for your family to now being under the poverty line, you know, to now being, you know, to the point where you can't survive off of two households making that money. It's because they think that they can inflate away the value of the debt by just printing out more money. They never think about the consequences to you and I. They're only thinking about how they themselves will benefit from that. And government, they hate savers. 
So part of what the government was is trying to do in the stimulus, of, or at least what the Democrats are trying to do with the stimulus, is create uh, a government cryptocurrency, digital currency rather than paper money. And while they try to promote this as an idea that it would benefit you and I, it doesn't. It's a way to punish savers, right? In a way to, you know, to drive down your ability to save up, you know, wealth for you and your family. Because here's the thing. Right now, we have positive interest rates, right? And, you know, they're talking about the idea of maybe going to negative interest rates. Now, positive interest rates, whether it's, you know, a low interest rate or a high interest rate is a situation where you put your money into the bank, right? And then you get interest back, you know, so that the money uh, later on, you have more money than what you deposited because of the interest, because of how the banks use that money to loan it out uh, to people and then, you know, uh, get interest from the people that they loan it out to and they share well, next to nothing of the profits that they make from doing so with you, right? That's how the interest rates go. But then they want to go, well, we don't want savers. We don't like savers. So what if we go to negative interest rates? Where now, if you go and you try to save up money in a bank account, instead of earning money on your money, if you just sit it there and leave it alone and try to build up wealth, you're going to lose money. You're going to end up being, you know, uh, taxed or uh, hit a fee for hitting it. You're going to lose money because the interest rate is going to go in the other direction. So instead of, let's say right now you get one tenth, you know, of a percent interest on your savings account. Maybe if you're lucky at this particular time, you might get one percent. Well, then they want to flip that around and go, you get hit with a one percent fee on your money for leaving it in a savings account, right? Well, other governments have tried to do this, such as Japan. You know, they tried to go to that negative interest rate in order to force people to spend their money because if they don't spend it, they're losing their money and not getting anything in return. So if you have the idea of you can set your money in a bank account and then it loses value, loses money, or you can go out and just use that money to spend on, you know, products, goods, and services. You'll at least get the value of the products, goods, and services, whereas leaving the money alone loses value. You know, so they tried that in Japan. But what happened? People, instead of going out and just spending a whole bunch of money, took some of the money out of their savings account and went and bought home safes, right? They went and they bought safes, you know, and then they withdrew their money from the banks and then just put them in the safes in their homes, you know, and they would create elaborate safes, build it into the wall, make it incredibly, you know, difficult or impossible, you know, to move the safes. We're not talking about setting it on the floor. We're talking about building it into the structure of the house so people can't just come in and steal it, right? And so people were now no not only not spending the money because by just putting it in the safe and not spending it, meant that with the negative interest rates, other people who were either going out and spending their money or going out and getting negative interest rates, the value of their money was going down, but the people who took the money out and put it into a safe, the value of their money and the and their wealth was increasing and the spending power of their dollars, you know, remain or not dollars because it's Japan, but the value the value of their money, you know, either stayed the same or went up. Right. And so, you know, it also in doing so uh, at Japan and Japan meant that with less money being, you know, saved up or stored in the bank, the banks had less money and less capital to be able to finance issuing loans to people. And it ended up being a disaster for their economy. So the Democrats are looking at that and going, I got it. I know what to do. We're going to create digital currency not cash. And so when we do the stimulus, we're and go to negative interest rates, it's going to be digital currency. And with digital currency, you can't withdraw that from the bank. You can't, you know, buy a home safe to put your money in. You're forced to have that into the bank. And if you just leave it sitting there, it's going to lose value. So that's going to encourage people to spend money because since you can't withdraw it, your only two options is Sit it in the bank account and uh, let it lose money, 
or go out and at least get your goods and services, you know, purchase a whole bunch of stuff. You know, that would be your only two options. And that's why they want to go towards a digital currency so that they can just keep printing out more and more money, go to negative interest rates. And there's nothing that you can do to safeguard your money. You know, and so if it comes between losing money, letting it just sit there or going out and then spending away, you're going to spend away because you could at least try to invest it in actual, you know, non-liquid investments. You could try investing it in antiques and uh, physical products to try and store up wealth, but that will still force you to spend money, you know. And so the Democrats are not only trying to go through and take a look at a ways to inflate away the value of the debt, but they're also trying to find ways and more creative ways to prevent you from being able to safeguard yourself from their actions, you know, and therefore, you know, they're trying to destroy the country this way, but they think it's a great idea and they think that they can just mint assets, you know, great trillion dollar coins and then buy them up uh, for ourselves and claim that we have the assets, you know, you know, to maintain the value of the dollar because we can manufacture the assets out of thin air and just claim it has a value. The Democrats are completely stupid. Now, uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's declares gun stores non-essentials and sends deputies out to close them. You know, so there's this issue where the Democrats are freaking out at the skyrocketing gun sales. They don't like it. They hate the Second Amendment. So now they're trying to say that the ability for you to go out and get protection, you know, for you and your family is non-essential while at the same time, you know, debating about releasing criminals from jail and publicly announcing, oh yeah, we're not actually going to be providing police services or responding to break-ins and robberies and all of that. So we're going to release people from jail. And now we're going to block your way to defend yourself and we're not going to protect you. Yay, Democrats, right? Yay, Democrats. All right. So one last thing. Have you ever noticed that the, the media is social distancing, uh, Joe Biden from the presidency? I mean, seriously, I go through and take a look at this. Even before all of this, you know, coronavirus uh, was happening, they were trying to limit Joe Biden's appearance before the public. They were creating shorter and shorter speeches, right? But now, you know, because Trump is getting all this media attention and seen as a leader, they're trying to increase Joe Biden's visibility in the public, and it is not going well. Joe Biden is incoherent, can't maintain, you know, a a thought line uh, for very long. He doesn't understand, you know, the technology. So, you know, he was out there, you know, on The View, And he made this stupid statement, you know, when talking about, hey, you know, Trump is saying, yes, it's important to get a cure, but, you know, we can't have the cure be worse than the problem itself. And Joe Biden's response is, yes, we must ensure that we take care of the cure. That will damage us more. You know, something uh, to that effect. I mean, it was nonsensical. We must make sure uh, to protect the cure because that will harm us or create more harm. You know, it, it, it was completely incomprehensible. Or Joe Biden would be out there talking, and then in mid-sentence, he stops and goes, okay, okay, I, I'm not talking about that anymore, or, you know, loses his train of thought and then tries to, you know, move on. He, he can't, can't even finish an answer to the questions that the media gives him before he starts stumbling, mumbling, and then tries to say, you know, enough with that. You know, but he can't finish an answer. And then when he is giving out answers, they're incomprehensible. They make absolutely zero sense. And so it it is just one of those things where, you know, the mental deterioration of Joe Biden has become so incredibly evident. And we see that Bernie Sanders is not an alternative people will go for. You know, so there is some of this discussion that is going on that, okay, there's going to be a brokered convention and it's not going to be Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, but 
the left is now going to come back and try and promote and prop up uh, New York governor, you know, uh, Cuomo, and that Cuomo will end up, even though he hasn't run in a single primary, is going to come out of the convention with the nomination, and therefore they can revitalize their chances in or uh, in the 2020 election, you know, against Trump. And that's not just because, you know, of how bad Joe Biden and Sanders is, but they also need someone who the media has, you know, can prop up as someone who has shown, you know, leadership and, you know, nonpartisan leadership in a time of crisis to match what Trump has been doing because Trump has shown himself to be a great leader that we want to have in a time of crisis. All right. So that's it uh, for this episode. I do thank you so much for your time and attention. I continue to be humbled as I see more and more people coming and listening to the show. Thank you very much. Share this uh, with your friends and family, and I will be back again soon.